What is up, y'all? Welcome to the special edition episode of the Two Game Podcast, and that is our next deep dive series. I am pleased to announce we are deep diving. We are getting balls deep into Final Fantasy X. Chris, this is your favorite game of all time, uh, I have to say, right? Uh, you would you would say correct. Yes, sir. It is indeed. I cannot even begin to contain my excitement to do this. I never thought that I would look forward to one more than Xenoblade Chronicles 2, but when you immediately or when you approached me with this, I was immediately just just there for it. So you were dying. Let's do it. I'm so happy you're finally playing it. Yeah, right. I, I, I saw your I saw your boner from here, so hmm. yeah. That's weird. I couldn't see it. <laughs> I didn't realize you had access to the Hubble telescope, but that's pretty cool. <laughs> so if y'all have been following us, we did a deep dive series back uh, last year. We recorded it over the span of, what, three or four months, and we took a deep dive into Xenoblade Chronicles 2. It was my first time ever playing it, and I got to tell you, it was one of the best experiences that I've had on the podcast up to this point. I uh, absolutely loved, loved, loved Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and kind of just diving into it with Chris and just playing it with little short spurts. So when we when it came time to decide what we were going to deep dive into for this time, unfortunately, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 didn't get announced until after we had already, you know, <laughs> got horny over Final Fantasy X. So, you know, fuck Nintendo for, for doing that to us. But yeah, I was like, man, it, I think it'd be a great time to kind of dive back into Final Fantasy X and kind of maybe hopefully change my mind. Because this is not my first time playing it, guys. I, I played it, uh, I want to say, right before we started doing the podcast. So this is going on three years ago, four years ago, something like that is the last time that I played this. And this was my first time ever playing a Final Fantasy game whatsoever. And... I kind of just beelined it. I was in the I was in the middle of playing like three or four JRPGs like back to back, and this was like the fourth one. So I kind of just beelined it through this entire game, and I didn't really give it its due. I, I completely admit that. So Chris is going to help guide my cock in there and uh, guide me through this experience. Am I right, sir? Um. Yes. I will. I will. I will guide you deep, sir. I have. I have brought six gallons of proverbial lube. And I am prepared. Ooh, that sounds hot. Sounds like a mess. That's what it sounds <laughs> like. like. <a> but... <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a lot of cleanup. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, we are going to be deep diving into Final Fantasy X. So here's how it works. If you have never, or if you haven't, I said you never. If you didn't listen to any of our uh, deep dive into Xenoblade Chronicles 2, Basically, we are going to split this game up into specific segments, specific parts, so you can not only easily digest the content that we're giving you, but also so you can play along with us. So basically, we are going to do this first part. Chris, I am going to leave the, the explaining of the parts to you. Uh, this first part is what, sir? Uh, you just mean like the, 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 the game time frame that we're covering? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so for part one, we decided to, and actually a quick shout out to Lindsay Humble for helping me piece these together. She actually, she brought a lot of things to my attention that I actually hadn't considered when I initially broke this down. So um, 
but for part one, we are going to obviously start with the opening of the game, and we're going to go through the end of Luca, which is a about a 10 to 12 hour story stretch, but it's 10 to 12 hours of world building, character association, background checks, um, pretty much just laying the foundation. So I think uh, I think I think where we stopped at for part one is a pretty good stopping point to just kind of give both the players and the listeners just kind of an intro to the world that we're going to be we're, we're essentially going to be living in for the next 55 to 60 hours. Absolutely. So basically, when you get off the boat from Luca and you get onto what's the name of that road, the uh, Mihin Road, is that the name of it? Uh, yeah. When you're leaving Luca and you get to the Mihin High Road, you're going to save at the first save sphere you see and that'll be where we stopped at so there you go me hand my hand tomato tomato my hand your hand all hands <laughs> well <laughs> sir <laughs> oh happy birthday to me <laughs> yes indeed uh so yeah guys so this first part is strictly on the to the end of luca so play up until then and then listen to this episode or just continue, whatever you want to do. Uh, so basically, we're going to kind of do the same thing we did last time. It's going to be broken up into different portions, easily digestible portions, I should say. And then at the very end, I'm going to edit it all together for one long, long mega episode. The uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 episode ended up being over five hours of us talking about that game. So whew, I can only imagine how this, what this game is going to be like when it's all said and done. Five and a half glorious hours, mind you. What? God, that shit was fun. It was a lot of fun. And I have high hopes for this. I'm going to do things a little bit differently as far as like how I play it and how I take my notes and whatnot. So hopefully it's going to be a better experience for me this time and not feel like a little bit tedious uh, work and feel like I'm I'm having to play the game when I, when I, I, I want to feel like I want to play the game, not like I have to play the game. Right, right. And that's, I think that was just a learning experience that we went through doing the first deep dive. I do want this one to be more of just a chillaxed walkthrough for you and less of a homework assignment. So, And so far, so good. Now, I, I have to admit, I, I got to put it out there, guys. I am already starting part two. So y'all know that's forbidden when we do the deep dive series. But if I don't start it now, then this shit will never get done. OK, so I have I am like probably an hour and a half into uh, part two of of our deep dive series, but no future spoilers, nothing past uh, me hand road when you get to me hand road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But let's just go ahead and do it, sir. Like I said, uh, if you have not played Final Fantasy 10 and you want to play it, this is probably a good time to stop right here. And go play up to part one that we're talking about up to Meehan Road. And uh, otherwise, just enjoy the uh, the content, guys. We appreciate y'all joining us. Uh, before we do that, shout out to our $20 tier supporters, Carmen Paradixio, Eric Hernandez, Sharon Petrie, Lindsey Humble, Michael King, Ryan Sibley, Brian Slash, Corey Costa, Casey Pye, Christina Lambu. And uh, we appreciate y'all supporting us at that $20 tier every single month. Without y'all, we would not be able to do this. And also thank you to you, sir, for supporting us as well. Oh, absolutely, man. You know what? I didn't even introduce you. Like, people don't even know who you are right now. Oh, I don't have a name. <laughs> He's named. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. My wife doesn't even call me by my name, so y'all don't even know it either. 
She just says, hey, you. Or Bobby. starts a sentence with please. But my apologies. This is Chris Norman, by the way. If y'all didn't know. Hello, already. everyone. Oh, this is already fucked up. In my defense, <laughs> in my defense, I worked at 24 last night, and this is 7 o'clock in the morning. So that's so going to be my you, you, did, you didn't sleep last night? Uh, I slept a little bit. Oh God, I That's couldn't. I don't know how you how you EMS people do that. Uh, well, you're about to find out, sir. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to. Do it. <laughs> uh, but let's go ahead and jump into Final Fantasy Ten. All right. Now, the one thing that I will say that I kind of don't like about the game. Okay, I know you can skip it, but it's kind of aggravating. And it happened to me on this this playthrough when we started playing this game. They do oh, opening. Oh, I already know. <laughs> they do that fucking yeah. intro <laughs> to start the game. And I'm watching. I'm like, bro, okay. All right, we just fucking get into this bitch, huh? I don't have to do nothing. No settings, no nothing. <laughs> fucking finishes the fucking intro. And then you hit the start screen. And you're like, what the fuck is that, man? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I completely forgot to tell you that, too. Because it's a good, like, 10-minute intro video, too. It is. It is. <laughs> uh yeah that's true that's you know what game you, you know guys we're gonna precipice if you're not familiar with final fantasy 10 it is 22 years old now so there will be problems with it if, if you're not familiar with it but if you can if you can walk into it knowing it's 22 years old and a lot of things are fixed in games now that weren't fixed back then just please accept that <laughs> that is a thing that i'm keep i, I keep telling myself while while playing this game i'm like bruh this game came out like 20 plus years ago i, I gotta I, I gotta i gotta let something slide you know yes this game can legally drink all right so so we start off with the party sitting around a campfire in silence beyond the horizon is a ruined city cover in fireflies titus who is the uh the main antagonist of the story uh, he is, he begins, or excuse me, not antagonist, protagonist, uh, begins to tell his story of how he reached this place. I I love the intro music right here. It's real somber with the pianos. And uh, I kind of actually like the uh, the non-linear storytelling that they're kind of doing here. Basically, they're showing you like later, later, later down the road, like towards the end game. And it's going to be Titus kind of retelling all the events that have led up to this point, which I kind of dig. It kind of gives you something to look forward to. It's like, okay, well, how the fuck did they get there? I love that they took that approach. I actually love foreshadowing and working your way back up to a certain point. My only issue with it, and this is absolutely no spoilers because I'm not going to get into the content. You see it in the opening scene. He's sitting around a campfire telling the story to the party members that were there for most of the story. <laughs> I didn't even know. <laughs> hey, guys, come around the fire. I got to tell you a ghost story. And he starts, yeah. he starts telling the story. <laughs> Bro, we were there. We know the story. <laughs> Tedis, I literally did that. That was me. That was. <laughs> and by the way, you fucked that up, not us. <laughs> Yeah, that's every time in the story when he starts narrating, I just imagine everybody around the campfire looking at each other going, does he honestly think we don't know that? Like, <laughs> Or or uh, better yet, they're all sitting around the fire and they all kind of just look at each other and they're like, no, don't tell them. Just, 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 just let it happen. <laughs> you and I remember Budapest very differently. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> right. 
but so yes. Tyson's story begins in the metropolis of Xanarkan, where he is signing autographs for fans, thinking it is a typical day as the star player for his blitzball team, the Xanarkan Abes. Uh, I do want to say, uh, I, look, I don't know how old Titus is in this in this thing, and now some of the chicks that are jumping up and down for him are underage. So I am not talking about those. I am talking about the other groupies. Uh, but those girls want his dick bad. Oh yeah, I mean he's a he's a pro athlete, so it's a uh, it's probably ease of access for him in, in in this world. If I had to guess, I, I think he's seventeen. If I remember correctly, he's supposed to be seventeen. So like he's right on the cusp of being creepy one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But I guess technically socially acceptable for both. I, I don't I don't know. It's it's Japan. Who knows? Yeah, I, I, I want to say this is like normal shit in Japan. Like for us, it's like uh, a little weird. But in Japan, for us, it's, for us, it's prison. So <laughs> <laughs> normal day for Japan, prison for us. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah but you, like, you're right. All, all those groupies, they want that D. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he even tells them that he wants to score a goal for him. I'll score a goal for you. And then when I do this, just know it's towards you. And I'm like, Bruh, he is trying to lay down that pipe. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, but the music right here, it's kind of, I don't want to say kind of, it's, I'm trying to think of the word that I want to use here. It's not unnerving. It's not, it's kind of jarring. That's, that's the word I would want to use because it goes from this somber piano music and then it goes into this, like, you remember those old Dragon Ball Z movies? Like uh, Lord Slug. And they would have like the the disturbed music and and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, the The music here goes to like that, where it's like this okay. metal type score. I mean, it sounds fucking dope. I mean, don't get me wrong, I like it. But it's like we go from somber pianos to to metal. And for again, I want to do future spoilers, but I don't notice the metal type score anywhere else in part one. Uh, no, no, no. I think that's um, that's just to. I, I think that's to support the environment that you, he's he's telling everybody about right now. That's fair. Like I said, I, I don't think it's a, a bad choice. I just think it's weird going from that to this, and then never hearing metal music ever again. That, that's a that, that's a fair complaint. I have I have an answer to it, but I I will withhold. Oh, okay. Well, fair enough. Good question, though. Very good question. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and write that question down, so I can remember to ask you later. How about that? How about that? So amid the opening match of the Jack Memorial Cup, organized to honor Titus's father, Jack, obviously, uh, who vanished ten years ago, a gigantic wave enters the city, destroying everything in its path. Uh, really cool CGI cinematic scene here, where everything is crumbling and then getting sucked upwards. Shout out. And I gotta say, with the with the game being so old, dude, the cinematics look great. I mean, I know this is like the remastered version and whatnot, so they went in and redid the shit. But for the most part, it looks really, really great. And even just even just the graphics and the animations, well, I mean, not lip syncing and whatnot, and maybe not the hands, but everything else looks pretty good for being such an old game. Yeah, the um, obviously it's gone through two or three remakes and remasters, like you pointed out, man. But I can remember the PS2 version of this game in the first time I played it, which I guess would have been 
I was probably 13, so 2003, maybe 2002. And uh, it, it looked miles ahead of everything else out at the time back then. I mean, even with the remaster, it's it's barely even on par with what we see today. But 20 years ago, dude, this was like watching a movie. I can, I can imagine how it would be like a game changer for like the gaming industry seeing this. They're like, what the fuck is this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it was. I'm telling you, it was it was a sight to behold in 2002 so <laughs> have you ever played final fantasy 9 actually yes i just just played final fantasy 9 last year for the first time they uh-huh. put it on the switch store for like about like eight dollars so i was like yep please and i ripped through it when i had a few weeks off the truck so i'm kind of looking at some pictures i've never played final fantasy 9 i'm kind of just looking through like gameplay pictures and animations and whatnot and i'm like mm-hmm. oh right I thought it did like a huge jump. Like it was like polygon type graphics. And then it was just like this. Uh, but no, apparently uh, they same similar type graphics. It almost looks kind of kitty. Like, yeah, that's the, I would say that's the main difference in nine and 10 is the CGI in nine for the time that it was released was actually very, very good. But even with good CGI, the, the character animations just looked a little more adolescent or childish, if you will. Mm-hmm. Whereas, when 10 came out, it, 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 it went almost to full feature cinematic. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever, play, <clears throat> but it is what it is. Um, let's see here. Where am I at? Where am I at in my notes? Uh, the only person undisturbed by any of that's going on right now is Oren, a man who has acted as Titus's mentor since Jack's disappearance. Titus meets up with Oren and uh, outside the Blitzball Stadium, but time stops and a boy in purple robes appears before him and tells him, "It begins. Don't cry." In like the most ominous fucking thing I have ever heard in my life. Yep. Like it is pretty <laughs> ominous. <laughs> you just see a random boy. It begins. What? <laughs> what begins? <laughs> and he just disappears. Why the fuck would you do that? Why would you not tell me what begins? Yeah, and the score has gone, it has reverted back from Japanese Ramstein to somber piano, as the boys say in this. So you just, you just, you just, it's, it's, it's melancholy and sad, but it's so bewildering at the same time to somebody who's never seen it before. It's heavy. It's a very heavy four words. (laughs) You're right about that. (laughs) Which is funny because, uh, you know, I played through this game before, but a lot of the story, I'm going through it. I'm like, ah, some areas so far, I, I definitely remember. But a lot of the story is it feels fresh to me because I I mean, I have a shitty memory to begin with, but I, I feel like I don't know if I, if it's the fact that I'm paying attention more, maybe, or maybe it's the fact that I kind of know what Final Fantasy games are like now and I can kind of clue in on some things. But I, I probably I a mixture know. of both. Yeah, I, I think so. But I, I do know that, uh, and I really don't even know where I was going with this. See, that's the, that's the issue with doing 24s before I record. I, I just lose my train of thought. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> right. <laughs> I told you it was going to be fucked up. I'd be all right. But <clears throat> like, like this boy, like obviously I played through the game, but I don't really fucking remember who this motherfucker is. So it's going to be a surprise for me when I get, through, when I get to the end game and it, you know, it reveals. That's good. That's a that's a good thing to not remember. That's a cool one later. So good on your shitty memory. Right. 
So uh, after the boy vanishes, Titus continues after Oren, who reveals the force destroying the city is called Sin and gives Titus a gift from Jek, a longsword. We actually get like a decent little tutorial here. And if it's your first Final, C- Final Fantasy game, um, one little tidbit and is the biggest piece of advice that I could give you, okay? And that is to make sure you turn on the fucking descriptions of all the items. When I, played this, when I played this game the first time, I did not know that was an option. To yeah, turn I, think, on. I don't think you played the game the first time, man. I think the game played you. Dude, it fucking did. Like, I, I feel fucking stupid <laughs> having played it through the first time and not knowing. I mean, that. no, you don't, shouldn't feel stupid for it. I never really realized. I guess after the Switch release came out, I played it like eight times before. So maybe I didn't even notice that they were turned off. But I can't believe that that's the default setting. That's dumb. Absolutely. I mean, I'm trying to figure out. I mean, if this is like, like I said, this is my first Final Fantasy game. So jumping into it, and I mean, obviously, I know what fire, thunder, fucking water, and blizzard means, obviously. But when we get to like Fireagra and Thunderagra <laughs> and all these other fucking things, I'm like, what the fuck is this? I'm assuming it's uh, more powerful versions of the uh, previous spell. But then you get into like the the different ailment cures and whatnot for like sleep and paralysis and all that and i'm like what the fuck is any of this or like uh the extractability or the uh, darkness ability whatever for for waka and i'm like dude i don't know what any of this does any of this <laughs> oh that's i'm so sad for you that you went through that that would have been so frustrating i can't like i said that's dumb that that's the default setting it makes no sense to me whatsoever because that's shit you have to know. It's, it's not like it's, oh, that's pretty, that's that's useful knowledge. Like, no, you, you can't play the game not knowing that stuff. And then I just mentioned that my memory is fucking shitty. So it was like, I would figure out what it does, but then I would get like several hours down the road. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck did this one do again? And I would just hit it. And I'm like, oh, fuck, <laughs> wrong move. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, definitely turn that menu description thing on that tells you what spells do, what the attacks do, the items, uh, all that. And then as far as like scanning the, the move scan and what's the, what's the other, there's, there's like five of them. There's like sensor that you can put on your weapons. And then there, mm-hmm. there's scan. Uh, scan is, this is the first time I've used scan. I kind of just skipped by it last time. Cause I was like, Oh, well, fuck. I'll just use sensor. Uh, not the same thing guys. Not the same thing. Uh, yeah. Scan <laughs> gets a little deeper. Shout out to that. <laughs> Yeah, I used scan for the first time uh, yesterday when I was playing, and I was like, "Oh goddamn!" They're like, "This tells you fucking everything. It tells you what not to do." Mm-hmm. But anyways, back to our original story. Oh, just yeah. Little, little sure bit does. of do what? No, no, no. I just said sure does. Yeah. Scan is scan is broken early game. So definitely, uh, yeah. I just want to give you all that little little tidbit of information. It's going to help you play through the game. Uh, so the uh, the two fight their way through the invading monsters, and when they reach Sin, Oren allows both himself and Titus to be sucked up into its maul. Titus loses consciousness, but not before glimpsing a vision of his father. When Titus awakes, he finds himself in a temple ruin where he sets up a camp. Uh, when a monster attacks him, a group of strangers blows through the door, and a leader helps Titus with the battle. Titus tries to thank his helpers, but they speak a language foreign to him. The people capture him and bring him to their ship where the leader, a girl named Raku, says that Albed people 
who use the forbidden machina. Uh, uh, let me rephrase that. She says they are the Albed people who use the forbidden machina technology. Let me fucking tell you one thing. If this is your first time playing, you are not going to know a fucking word that these motherfuckers are saying because it, this is, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I like that portion of the game so far where it's like, why am I just getting random letters? Like I can just skip through all this. It just, it feels, it feels like wasted time to me. Uh, it it contributes to replay value. That too. So as you, as you collect and you figure out ways later in the game, well, you start real soon actually, but you figure out ways to unlock their language. Um, you can sync that on a new game plus once you get to that certain point again and anything you've previously unlocked or found about it, it will automatically default back into. So it is kind of cool if you go back through the game, cause you can see what they were saying the whole time. Yeah. That, that'd be the only benefit of that, but I mean, it's, it, the, it's the only redeeming quality. It doesn't make the initial um, confrontation or altercation an easier pill to swallow. Cause you're just lost as shit. But, I mean, it, it, it does. It is, it is one kind of cool thing later. Okay. Well, I'll let you have that. So one thing I want to, or a couple of things I want to say about Riku, uh, she looks like she belongs in like a cyberpunk type world. And I, I want to say that when you look at some of these different people, dude, they did a great job of kind of making them all look different in terms of like, like uh, race and nationality and whatnot, like the Albed, mm-hmm. completely different than anybody else, like in like Luca and whatnot. Uh, you know, yeah. their costume designs and all that. While I don't know why Titus would wear one pant sleeve longer than the other, seems a little weird, but I'll allow it <laughs> because it looks iconic. <laughs> yeah, it's different. And there is, it's funny because one side it's cargo shorts and the other side it's like mesh netting. You're just like, okay, <laughs> that's. That was tailored. You didn't buy that anywhere. That was custom made. <laughs> Why would you do that? Hey, Why? But the dude is getting a lot of girls. So who who are we to argue with that? Well, he was. He was actually. That's this is a good point. We should probably just stop for one second. This is at this point. You are forty five minutes into this game, right? Maybe an hour tops. Mm-hmm. And this dude is having the worst fucking day ever. All right, just a quick recap of his last six hours. He he went from being a successful professional athlete who pretty much ruled the entire world that he lived in in a futuristic city that looks like what I would imagine Tokyo looks like when cars start flying um, to being or watching everything around him get destroyed and blown up being sucked away into somewhere he doesn't know that just looks like straight up ruins. He's alone. He's cold. He's freezing. Then he finally meets someone as he's almost dying. So that that's his last six hours. That's how the game kicks off your protagonist. Just a shitty, shitty day. Hey, sometimes you got to tear him down to build him back up, man. You know, and that's that's usually uh that's usually a fifty to sixty percent of the way through the game kind of thing, like when Rex lost his shit and then everybody had to beat the hell out of him. Yeah. But this one you you get it. Hey guys, welcome to Final Fantasy Ten. Fuck Titus. <laughs> right. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. Uh but Riku also have you ever seen Hot Rod? Uh I think so. Well, well, that's old, right? I think I watched that a long time ago. 
that shit came out in like 2008, 2009, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I, I do, I have, yeah. Uh, well, if you haven't, then you should. Be- I mean, if you have, yeah, because uh, that movie is fucking fantastic, sir. Uh, but anyways, she, uh, what I was getting to, uh, she does the little Tai Chi move from Hot Rod to Titus. She hits him in the stomach, and I'm pretty sure he, that dude shits himself. <laughs> do you yeah. remember what move I'm talking about? Yeah, I remember that now. I remember Did that you now. You do a move on me that uh, is going to make me shit myself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she basically does uh. that, and... He legitimately looks like he just shit himself. Lays that dude the fuck out. What? So uh, for Titus to stay, he must accompany Riku on an underwater uh, salvage operation on an ancient airship. Wow, doesn't that sound familiar there, uh, Chris? Mm-mm. Nope, never heard it before. <laughs> it doesn't sound like Xenoblade Chronicles 2 at the very beginning. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> so uh afterward titus uh tells riku about his life in xanarkan uh riku is reluctant to believe him asking if he breathed in sin's toxin which is known to induce amnesia uh and then we get this like weird silly scene involve a titus choking on food uh J- jrpgs that's that's the one thing yep. about that. you just gotta plead the fifth on those because you get about six of those throughout the course of this game with titus doing just random weird shit yeah i've looked at him like are we really spending time on this? But hey, whatever, man. <laughs> whatever uh, makes the story, I guess. <laughs> Just fucking swallow it, man. You've already chewed Shout it out. out. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, after Titus assures he was telling the truth, Riku uh, decides to take his word, but not before telling him that Sin destroyed Xanarkan a thousand years ago. And since Xanarkan is a holy place, it would be wise not to tell any Yevanites about his life there. Shortly after, Sin appears and knocks Titus off the salvage ship. Titus wakes up on a sunny beach and is glad to see something familiar, a group of islanders playing blitzball. And dude, he's had a shitty day up to this point, but it looks like it's looking up. I mean, he he wakes up on a sunny beach, got some blitzball going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely the first decent thing that's happened to the poor kid. Uh, after showing off his skills, the islanders flock around him and the leader of the group, Waka explains Titus has arrived at Besed uh, Island. Waka, the the voice actor. Okay, have you ever seen Dexter? Yeah. Okay, I have gone through the first playthrough and then obviously this playthrough. I thought it was the uh, the detective from Dexter, David uh, Zayas. He was the uh, he was the Latino detective with. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh huh. It sounds just like him. It does sound similar, yeah. You're right. But it's not. The voice actor is John DiMaggio. Uh, I didn't write down anything that he's he's done, but that's who the that's who the voice actor is. It's not who I thought it was. Uh John DiMaggio has done a lot, but his probably I would say probably what people mostly know him for is Bender from Futurama. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's done a shit ton, don't get me wrong, but that's that's when people think John DiMaggio, that's that's the first thing they think of as a general rule. I've only seen like a handful, a handful of uh, episodes of Futurama. Oh God, Futurama's fantastic! It is so funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I enjoyed what I watched of it. Just for whatever reason, I never went and just watched it from episode one until you know the end. Yeah, yeah, it's just a, it's a silly sitcom. It's not it's not a deep lore kind of thing. I mean, the show gets deeper as it goes on, but it's it's not something that you have to start from the beginning and watch. You can 
pretty much just watch it whenever you see it and it's just still just funny as hell it's kind of like family guy family family guy but less stupid hmm you have my attention <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh waka is unnerved when since <clears throat> his home city is xanarkan again like this whole xanarkan thing and people him talking about it th- yeah this is like the first part it's all about that like he keeps mentioning xanarkan and everybody's like bruh are you fucking like crazy because that place is destroyed uh but he chalks up to titus's he chalks up titus's behavior to his recent encounters with sin Waka explains Sin is a monster that rose a thousand years ago, destroying the Machina cities, including Xanarkin, as a result of human crimes and use of Machina. Waka leads Titus to Besed Village, hoping to have him join his Blitzball team, the Besed Oryx. The team has not won a game in 23 years and needs Titus's help, even more so since Waka is quitting to become a full-time guardian. Titus agrees to join and later follows Waka into Besed Temple, a branch of the Spirian religion of Yevon. Lots of lots of lore shit I'm throwing here, guys. Yep. The apprentice summoner Yuna, who had begun her trial in the temple the day before, has not returned. Uh, despite the priest orders, Titus goes through the temple's cloister of trials to rescue her. I love this entire scene. It, it, uh, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to remember the actual cinematics here that are going on with it. Like I remember what yeah. happened, but so yeah. Like obviously, Spira. At this point, you've already gathered. Like it, they are. It is a religious country, world, whatever. Uh, the entire population revolves around one unified religion, and temples are not just holy holy places. They are revered beyond like don't even breathe too loud when you're inside it and this dude gives no fucks he is like nope i'm going in motherfucker and what are you gonna do to stop me like what if she's in trouble get out of my way you stupid monk i don't give a shit (laughs) right (laughs) dude just kicks the door down and starts climbing the stairway to heaven it is it is it's a good scene And despite the priest orders, uh, Titus goes through the temple's cloister of trials to rescue her, uh, encountering her guardians, the Ronzo Kamari, the black mage Lulu, and Waka, who had gone in after him. Uh, Titus makes it in time to see the summoner Yuna exit the chamber of the faith. Uh, Lulu, look, let's just go ahead and get out the way, man. Lulu showing off from Titty. All right. Oh, 100%. Yeah, she's she proud of him. She is 100% proud of him. Uh, as she should be and then we have yuna and titus looking at each other and them them two look they're just ready to fuck okay i'm, I'm gonna go ahead and say it they're, they're ready to fuck <laughs> <laughs> first glance and titus is like oh yeah oh yeah this is gonna happen. It's, it is it is almost a mirror reflection of the first time rex walked in the chamber and saw pyra in the tube Yes, I didn't even think about that. Yes, 100%. It's like, oh, bro, he is diamond status already. He's he's now holding two swords, and I get it. Like, I, <laughs> I don't fault him for it. <laughs> no, no, no. It makes sense. Makes sense. But you you are right. It is in this particular case, she she is awake and returning the, the palpable tension. So. so we have the, uh, the cloister, the, the cloister of trials here. And uh, look. You told me before that 
when it came time to do the trials that I needed to make sure I got the, uh, the destruction orb uh, and make sure I get the special treasure in the, uh, the trials and whatnot. Um, I got the, uh, what is it? The rod of wisdom. Is that what it's, what is in the, uh, the first trial, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. 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 That's it. So these weapons, I mean, they all have different abilities. It, it could be the same weapon could have different abilities. Uh, I ended up getting like a rod of wisdom. I'm telling you a couple hours later. Yeah. It's, it's not, uh, it's it's for a side quest later in the game. It's not the value of the item or weapon itself. It's just the simple fact that you use the destruction sphere and you got it. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Speaking of which, I did not know there were side quests in this game the first time because I didn't fucking do any of them. <laughs> so, little fun fact there, guys. Well, they're harder to navigate. It's not like The Witcher where everybody just has an exclamation point stamped on their forehead. So, you oh, 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 side quest or you know beast hunt or whatever uh some of them you have to trigger and you don't really know to look for them unless you either stumble upon them or you're already aware that they exist so that's why i I tipped you off on that one because it's very important later in the game but yeah i don't want to do again future spoilers but there is one that's coming up here uh towards the end of this episode uh that i will mention that i was like is i mean it's it's technically a side quest but it was i mean it was fucking easy so I'll mention that when we get to that uh, to that portion. Uh, but outside, Yuna summons her first uh, Aeon Balafor. Uh, Aeons are the, uh, the physical realization of the faith's dreams. Souls petrified in stone whose statues lie in every temple of Yevon. The faith communicate with summoners who pray to them within the temple's chambers of the faith and establish a mental link with the summoner. Uh, like I said, lots of lore here. And you just you listen to that and you're like, I, I don't even fucking know what I just said, you know, and I'm the one that read it <laughs> uh, through this link. The faith give they give their dreams a physical form an aeon, a powerful creature only a summoner can use in battle. Later, Yuna wishes to hear more of Titus's story. And again, she, she do. She wants that dick hard once it. Yeah, pretty hard, pretty hard. She definitely wants his rod of wisdom. I mean. It's uh <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it it it's it, it's JRPG style, but yeah, it's it's there. It's there. Shout out. Uh Waka doesn't give Titus the time of day, straight up says that dude ain't ain't they y'all ain't fucking like straight up just tells him. He does, but what's so funny is Titus is like, I don't know. I don't <laughs> Right. It reminds me of like back in high school of like, bruh, I'm gonna get with that girl. And your your best friend goes, dude, it ain't gonna happen. I don't know, man. I I have the moves. I got the moves, buddy. And he's like, so uh what if what if she like comes on to me? <laughs> yes, what if she comes on? I don't think that's happened. Damn. Dude just yeah, straight up just cut your Cut your nuts off, homie. Yeah, just straight up. Like you, I ain't even known you for like five hours yet, and I'm already fucking just blackballing you here. Yeah, and you know it kind of the. Mm, I won't say the first time because I wasn't paying attention to most of this when I was twelve or thirteen. But looking back, it you're kind of like wow, Titus, the uh, the vain confidence you have to just assume that she wants that D 
after seeing you the first time. But again, this dude up until yesterday was a professional athlete who probably never had to try for much. So I get it. I get it. He's probably just used to people flocking around him. Flocking, yeah. Uh, so afterwards, he uh, he overhears Lulu berate Waka over his interest in Titus, since she believes Waka is only protecting him out of memories for his deceased brother, Chapu, whose face resembles Titus's. Bruh. I, I know we had kind of talked about some of the, the like, not later game, which we're not going to talk about right now, and your your proposed team that you, you use towards the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lulu, dude, I fucking love her. I love that no bullshit attitude, and she just tells you how it is. She doesn't care if it, it's going to piss you off, hurt your feelings, whatever. She just fucking lays it on the table. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no. She she definitely, she she doesn't give a shit either. You're right. If it comes to her mind, it comes out of her mouth. That's It's kind of her staple. And it, at times, you're going to be like, wow, really? Like, did you actually just say that? But then other times, you're like, yep, that needed to be said. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yes, not tactful whatsoever. Mm-mm. The uh, the guardians head out with Yuna on her pilgrimage, a sacred journey across Spira to defeat Sin. Waka takes Titus along, out of hope somebody will recognize him at the Blitz tournament at Luca. They set out on the SS Lykey. I'm assuming that's how you say it. Uh, to reach Kilika, Titus and Yuna get a chance to talk. Yuna believes Titus' story partly because ten years ago a man named Jack worked as her father's guardian. Yuna is the daughter of the high summoner uh, Braska, the last person to destroy Sin. During the journey, Sin appears and the party fights it, but fails to stop it from leveling Killicaport. Really, really great CGI cinematic scene here where everything is getting destroyed. And it's actually a very powerful scene and it kind of hits you in the feels. Like This is like the first time in the game up to this point that I'm like, oh shit, that kind of I kind of I kind of feel it, you know, I'm kind of hitting the feels a little bit. Yeah, man, they went for it. All right. So as this scene kicks off. There's like a family on a pier and it's like a mom who is I don't know if she's supposed to be like CGI breastfeeding her infant or if she's just holding them close to her chest, rocking them or whatever. But there's also like a five or six year old little kid that's I'm assuming like the older brother of the baby. And then like 10 seconds later, they're just gone. Like that pier is absolutely demolished with them standing on it. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, video games are gory, obviously. And they don't mind to throw some, some, some bad shit in there to catch your attention and get you emotionally invested in the game. But generally they leave kids out of it, you know, but in this one, in this particular scene, that's what they led with just so you could automatically just, feel the hurt that sins bring into the world absolutely this this is masterfully done absolutely 100 agree with you sir have you seen the movie the impossible yeah uh fucking fantastic movie by the way if y'all have not seen it uh it's about the uh tsunami that hit uh shit where did it hit uh some island I, I don't remember where but it was it was uh one of the uh the infamous tsunamis that happened like years and years ago um this kind of reminds me of that where it's just like this huge tidal wave and it just destroys everything. Uh, so really, really great cinematic scene right here. And the first time in the game that I'm like, Oh yeah. Uh, all right. I, I'm feeling a little bit shout out. 
Uh, so in Kilika, Yuna performs the sending, uh, guiding the souls of the dead to the far plane. Uh, we get some more like just deep lore right here. And we also get Lulu being a total dick to Titus for not knowing what the sending is. Uh, those who die in Spira can leave behind Pyreflies, the spiritual energy that comprises everything and Spira. Uh, unless a summoner sends the Pyreflies of the dead, they can become fiends, the primary monsters of Spira. So all the monsters that you're running into, uh, that is the Pyreflies of the dead not getting sent to the uh, far plane, which I, I like that they kind of go over that really early in the game because now it's not just monsters just running around. No, these are actually like people that did not get sent to the far plane. So I, I like every that really single helpful. time you kill a fiend or a monster, you see fireflies dissipate from it. So them telling you that early on just lets you know, okay, I, that I see, I see where you came from. That makes sense. Bruh. I didn't even fucking pick up on that. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Next time you're in a battle, when you kill something, watch it. They'll have like 15 or 20 fireflies. Just, just, just fly away from it. No, I, I know what you're talking about. I, I didn't realize that was that was what that was. I thought it was just... Oh, yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, if you play like Dark Souls or anything like that, if you kill like a uh, a monster or a, an enemy that doesn't respawn, it does that little digitizing thing where it floats away and whatnot. So I thought it was mm-hmm. that. No. Oh, that's that's actually pretty fucking cool, honestly. Yeah, and it, the whole concept of it kind of reminded me of um, Alicization. So, like, fireflies are essentially copies of people's souls personified or solidified. It's like physical copies of someone's inner soul. Is kind of what it made kind of made me think about Alicization and War of the Underworld when I, well, as I watched the show, I thought about Final Fantasy X, but it goes vice versa as well. Because uh-huh. I mean, essentially, they they die, but that doesn't. So. And then matter takes a different form, essentially, is how they explained it. Really cool. I appreciate you for sharing that, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, so while you're looking around Kilika, uh, um, this is where I did my, my first side quest. There's like a little boy that's missing or something like that, and you take him to his, his mom or something like that. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, when, when it happened, I was like, is this technically a side quest? I mean, technically it is, but it's like very, very simple. I mean, you literally just talk to him and then you go and find his mom. That's basically it. Yeah. For, for the first, probably over half the game, that's essentially the bulk of most of any quote unquote side quest that you do. There's not even side quest. It's more or less just, here's a little bonus thing you can do to get an item. You know, Mm -hmm. most of the, most of the, actual side missions and side quests are done on a ladder style basis throughout the course of the game for three quarter to end game build up, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's structured a little different than most, but it actually it flows pretty well. But I think by the end of it, you'll probably kind of see what I'm talking about. I'm trying to explain it as best I can without spoiling anything, but. No, I got you. I got you. So the uh, the group takes on the sin spawn. Uh, I like how it's just not the straightforward boss fight. Uh, I mean, you you already getting it early on. It's not just hey, go attack this dude repeatedly and kill him. Uh, you know, you're actually having to to do other things in these boss fights. You're having to to hit items or or objects in the uh, like near the boss arena, whatever you want to call it. 
Uh, you have to hit those things to kill the boss or, or something like that. It's not just straightforward boss fights, which I, I really enjoy. Gives it some extra depth to me. Yeah, for sure. So the, uh, the next day, the group enters Kilika Temple to gain the, the Aeon uh, Ifrit uh, through Titus. Though Titus was to stay out of the Cloister of Trials as he is not a guardian, he is tossed in by the guardian of summoner Donna, who sees Yuna as a rival. Nonetheless, Yuna obtains Ifrit. The pilgrimage moves to the city of Luca, the second largest city in Spira, where a Blitzball tournament is taking place. And this is where my least favorite shit of the game so far is going to happen. And I know I'm, I'm wanting you to guide me, sir, through this. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to talk about it. I promise. I have Uh, plans. Maester Seymour Guado and the elder Grandmaster Yo Micah overlook the competition, which is honoring Micah's 50th year as Grandmaster of Yevon. Uh, really like the design of Seymour here. I, I think he looks like a his character looks pretty cool, I think. Uh, during the first match, Yuna learns of Oren's presence in Luca, a legendary guardian to her brother, to her father, excuse me, uh, Braska. She has Titus and Kamari help her look for him. While Kamari's rival, Ronzo, Byron, and Yinke appear to harass him, the Albed Sykes uh, Blitzball team kidnaps Yuna to force the Aurochs into surrendering the match. While Waka handles the game, Titus joins Lulu and Kamari to rescue Yuna from the Albed ship and learns Yuna is actually half Albed. Lulu says, don't say shit to Waka. <laughs> yeah, you know, Waka for- be a- Waka's a racist. It's pretty funny. <laughs> he fucking hates the Albed. And he's made it several, there's like several little moments in the game where he's like, yeah, but they're Albed. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, there's no, he makes no bones about it. He hates them to their core simply because they are Albed. I mean, it is, I mean, 20 years ago, it was probably laughable. Now it's a hate crime. Yeah, But right. it is, it is straight up racism. And I love how Lulu is always about telling telling her mind she doesn't really care who defends and whatnot. But this one time she's like, bro, you want to keep that shit to yourself. Don't don't fucking say shit to him. Yeah. Even it yeah, you're that's a very good point. Like you know it's bad when Lulu isn't gonna say anything. And then Titus is like, I gotta tell Waka. And she immediately says, I thought I told you not to tell Waka. Like, you dumb fucking idiot. I gave you one job. You had the one job, just the one. Oh, so right. Lulu sends a signal to Waka, who wins the game, ending a 23-year losing streak without Titus's help. Uh, the next blitz, the the next blitzball match is against the Spiron champions, the Luca Goers. Uh, after the game, a group of fiends attack the stadium. Uh, Titus and Waka fight the beast with surprise aid from Oren. Now, do you do you want to talk about the uh, the blitzball shit right here? Since we've already kind of gone through the match. Uh, yeah, sure, sure. Um, let's hear your thoughts first. I need to know exactly what I'm addressing. So I think the I think the blitzball shit is okay. I I don't want to keep calling it shit. I know I know you love it. the The blitzball portion of this game is it just seems overly complicated. Like I was going through the tutorials, and it's like I was spending so long trying to learn what everything was in that game, and then. It might be the fact that I put it down. I didn't actually play the uh, the Blitzball game right then and there after that little tutorial. I came back to it the next day, 
and started playing the game. And it's like, what the fuck am I doing? I don't remember what any of this shit is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. That's and then the game, the, blitz, the Blitzball you. tutorial is equivalent to Xenoblade's combat tutorial. It tells you once, and it's way too much to learn at one time. So I, I feel you on that one. But another issue is the game does a terrible job of explaining some shit to you, like the the menu options thing where it tells you the item descriptions. It doesn't tell you that's a thing. It doesn't tell you. Uh, it doesn't tell you about the Blitzball, how it tells you, oh, if you're a newbie, you need to play it on auto mode. But then you're you're telling me, yeah, don't play it on auto mode. You're going to fucking lose. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, no, you will. What the fuck, man? And then there's there's some other things that happens in uh, in part two that I'm just like, bruh, like, why don't they fucking tell you this shit? Um, yeah, that's fair. I mean... In retrospective, the game itself does lack a lot in, in educating you on stuff, but I think part of that is this is the 10th installment in this series, so at this point they probably assumed that everybody was at least familiar with the basics, which isn't a fair assumption. This was the first Final Fantasy game I ever played, too. But, I don't know, Blitz to, to, to specify it to Blitzball itself, the tutorial will give you the basic information of how to play the game, but it's not going to teach you how to play the game. That's just something that you got to later in the game. You got to just spend some time and figure out the ins and outs of it. Now I will tell you this, don't do it for a while. Uh, this isn't spoiling anything because Blitzball in and of itself is kind of a side quest and you find out about it before the end of chapter one anyway, but you can, or before the end of part one, but you get to a point where it becomes like its own. It's honestly like a, a separate game. You can recruit players, you can renew their contracts, you can cut players, you can level them up, learn abilities. It's, it's a whole thing you can do. But the basic team that you start with, the Besaid Aurochs, who you've traveled with and who you have to play that first game with, are absolute dick in comparison to everybody else. It wants you to lose this game. It, well, I'm not going to say it wants you to, but it's setting you up to lose this game because you're supposed to be learning in this world of Spira that the goers are amazing and the Aurochs are absolute trash. So, I mean, statistically, they are. It, it It's very – it's easy to win once you figure out how, and I've played it so much that I know I essentially created my own cheat code because I figured out whose position where and I just know who to put where. But for the first time that you're playing it, you're probably going to lose. And it's like that on purpose because it wants you to – I think it wants you to suck it first so that you can see how fun it is later when you don't, if that makes sense. I know it sounds contradictory, but when you get to the point where you can recruit your own team and play like full leagues and other tournaments and stuff. And you can kind of watch players float in and out of other teams. It's pretty interesting. It really is. Now, I mean, don't get it as a, as a kid, I probably spent just as much time playing blitz ball as I did playing the game itself. But now that I'm older, when I play this game, I do play it a good bit because I enjoy it. But again, it's, that's not something I'm going to sit down and do just play blitz ball for five hours at a time. Mm-hmm. See, my thing is, I'm gonna look at it from the other perspective. If if you're wanting people to play a side game, wouldn't you want them to succeed a lot? 
in the uh, the first time you kind of introduce it to them, you know, like maybe like there was like an exhibition match that you could have done before you got to the Oryx where the, where the, uh, <clears throat> where Titus and his, his teammates are, are playing against each other or some shit, you know, like a, like a little practice match of some sort. I think that would have been great because then you go right into this, this match with the goers and it's like, you just get your ass handed to you. Like you get cream pied, like on your face, just just all over it. Like I lost, I think three to nothing, and I went through halftime zero zero, and then it was like after halftime, I just got, I just got blasted, sir. Not in a good way. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I I'll see your point. They you could have had a match before that that you at least stood a chance of winning, but like I said, the game expects you to lose the first one. That's why they actually reward you for winning it. Like, um, I, it's a strength sphere, which is strength up plus four on the sphere grid. So, I mean, it's very good to have because this early in the game, plus four in any stat is going to essentially take a mediocre character to a one-shot death threat like Waka. You were telling me yesterday on the phone that you're not that keen on Waka yet because he seems to be only good for certain fiends and he's just not that strong. If you would have got that strength plus four, and put it on Waka, all these fiends that you're kind of like, well, he's all right, I guess. That plus four, he'd be one shot in all of them. So, I mean, they they give you spoils and riches for winning it. Don't get me wrong. This early in the game, a strength plus four is a game changer. But again, I, I think as the game progresses, you'll kind of, I, I think you'll kind of get on the same page with me as to why they want you to lose the first time. That's fair. Uh I really think you will. You you may not. You may you may hate Blitzball till the day you die. And you know what? That's fine. I'm gonna try. I'm still gonna try. Hey, I gave it more of a chance this time than I did the first time. So I mean, you know, even if I, I will say, even if you stick with the Orox and you just play two or three more games at some point, which I wouldn't recommend doing until further notice. There's one point in the game when you get to where I would say, all right, now go play Blitzball. But even if you stuck with the Orox and didn't recruit anybody else, they catch up with everybody very quickly. They the, the first five or six levels that they get, their stats jump significantly other than any other of the free agents or other team members out there because, again, they, they're supposed to suck because they haven't won a game in 20 years. But you, you can play with them, and they will catch up. You're just going to – it's going to be a long two or three games until you level them up a little bit. I got you. I got it. I mean, I'll give it another chance. I'm, I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna I'm gonna need you to let me know when it's time to go back in. Shout out, and uh, that I can be as successful as possible. Okay. Well, if that's how we're doing it, then just forget Blitzball exists for a while. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, I, honestly, we're talking like part three, part four. Oh wow! I like way down the road. Mm-hmm. It's it's more of an end game delicacy, not end game, but it's definitely a later game delicacy. I got gotcha. you. So uh, after the match, a group of fiends uh, attack the stadium. Titus and Waka fight the beast with surprise aid from Orin. Seymour's Aeon Anima dispatches the rest, and Yuna is among the spectators left in awe of the Aeon's power. When Titus and Orin are alone, Orin explains how he, Jack, and Braska defeated Sin 10 years ago and claims that Sin is Jack. Dumbfounded by this apparent impossibility, Titus refuses to accept it. Uh, and then basically they get on the ship from Luca and they go to the, uh, to the Mayhen road or the Mehen road, excuse me. 
And um, that's where part one ends there, guys. So as soon as you get to the Meehan Road, uh, you go up there, save, and then that is it. Don't forget the, the last scene before the end of part one. Remember how you we, we, we got our wires crossed on the wrong spot, and then there was that scene on the bridge before you get to the Meehan High Road? So, yeah, right after you talk with Oren and he, he explains how the two worlds are linked and how you got there and the stuff about Jack and Sin, which is huge for Titus at the moment, even though he doesn't really know what the hell Sin is, to be honest with you, you're alone with Oren. And he tells you that he's going to go offer his services to Lady Yuna and that you can essentially do what the hell you want, but he's pretty much telling you you're coming with me. Yeah, he gives you a choice, but he doesn't really give you a choice. So you 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 venture across Luca, which takes four or five minutes. It's there's no fighting or anything like that. You're just freely walking through the city. And you climb some steps and then you get to the party. And when the scene kicks off, uh short version, Oren tells Yuna he wants to become her guardian. And everybody is in awe of this because Oren is just like a a living fucking legend in Spira because he was Braska's guardian and they call him the best guardian that ever lived essentially. So of course she accepts. And then he says, Oh, and he comes to talking about Titus. So this is kind of the moment where Titus accepts that this is his lot in life. If you will, like he's stripped away from his home. He's stripped away from his world. He doesn't know if he can get back or how to, so he just decides, I think, internally, he's going to live whatever life he can live in Spira. And he's also going to be Yuna's guardian and join her on her pilgrimage. Um, so this is kind of essentially the first time that your party is, I guess, concrete formed to begin with. Because now there's a group of six of you and you're all either a summoner or one of her guardians. So you know that these are the people you're going to be with for you know the rest of the game, or at least some of them. Mm-hmm. And then Titus and Yuna have a very Japanese anime scene where they do a weird-ass laugh together on a bridge, and he wants her, she wants him, da-da-da-da-da. Oh, and yeah. Then, okay. I, know, I, know, I know what scene you're talking about now, the, the, the yeah. laugh scene. Jesus. The laugh, is, the laugh is iconic in the Final Fantasy world. There are memes and gifs about that floating around the internet even today. But it's, a, it's, it's almost an uncomfortable scene to watch. It's so awkward. But it is a nice little... I guess, cutesy moment for the two of them, if you will, to see some character development between the two. And then essentially the, uh, the sun sets over the horizon and you climb the steps and you get to the Meehan High Road. And so, then you end right there. Yep. After the, the concrete formation of the party, that's why uh, Lindsay Humble and I decided that would be a good place to stop for part one because you, you've, you've, you've seen what parts of the world that you're going to see up to this point. You've learned the backstory and now you have an objective going forward. Yeah. I think that, I think that, I think that was a great, great spot to stop. So uh, shout out to both of y'all for kind of getting that all together. Look, I'm not gonna lie. I put all of this off on Chris and Lindsay to, uh, to decide. I was like, I don't know where we're stopping and starting. I'm gonna let y'all figure it out since y'all are the, uh, the final fantasy 10 experts in our, in our, No, man, we talked about it. We were happy to. We, we, like I said earlier, we want this to not be a homework assignment for you. We want you to just enjoy the game like we do, you know? So, mm-hmm. and as for part two, guys, the, the episode that's coming up next week, I'm going to let Chris kind of tell y'all where to uh, start and stop. Obviously, you're going to start where we just ended, but I'm going to let, uh, let Chris explain this section. 
Uh, right. So yeah, obviously we just we just stopped at the very beginning of the Meehan High Road. So for part two, we are going to cover the Meehan High Road. You're going to go through Mushroom Rock. You're going to go through the Jose Temple. You're going to cross the Moonflow, and then you're going to go into Guado Salam. And it sounds like a lot, but honestly, it's probably only five and a half to six total hours worth of stuff. It's just a, it's a lot of movement. And um, where we're going to cut it is as soon as you wrap up in Guado Salam, you're going to get to the Thunder Plains. Uh, you'll know it when you see it. They're exactly what they sound like. And then you'll see a save sphere in the opening screen. You just save there just like you did on the Meehan High Road. And that's where we'll cut part two. Thank you, sir, for explaining that. Absolutely. So uh, we're going to jump into our general impressions of part one uh, just real quick. I, I think the, I mean, it's just a typical JRPG. Honestly, that is, for better or for worse, that is what this first part is. It's kind of setting up all the story, setting up all the characters, and it's heavy on the cinematics, heavy on the uh, the cutscenes and whatnot. So this it's pretty slow in the very beginning. But again, that's just typical JRPG stuff. Uh, the music is great. I, I I really love the uh, the somber tones and uh, pianos that they got going on there. Uh, obviously, this game is like Chris said, twenty plus years old. So some things just didn't age well, like the animations, the voice acting, like not matching up. Uh, really, just makes me laugh sometimes. Honestly, uh, the lip syncing is off. And uh, but with that being said, I, I mentioned it earlier. I think the game looks great for something that came out so long ago. Uh, especially the cinematic sequences. And then the last thing that I want to say is Blitzball, still not 100% sold on it. It feels way too convoluted. Uh, I, I should be able to access the tutorial during the game that I'm playing to remind me of what stats are and whatnot. I think that would go a long way of of kind of helping newbies get through that that Blitzball game. Like, click the, the plus button, and I go through the tutorial menu real quick. Like, what does this fucking stat mean again? I think that would would help out a lot, actually. That's fair. Yep. Nope. That's that's fair. Again, um, I am one hundred percent convinced that you are going to hate Blitzball until the one moment that you don't. And <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna get you to that moment. I promise you. That is. If we don't finish this fucking deep dive, you're gonna at least acknowledge that Blitzball isn't as bad as you thought going into this. <laughs> that is my main goal for this yeah. fucking thing. <laughs> that's why I get out of bed in the morning. All right. So what are your general impressions of uh, the first part, sir? Uh, no, no, you, you pretty much summed it up, man. It's uh, like, like you said, it's, 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 I'd say typical JRPG because it is, but it kind of in some ways kind of laid the foundation for what we now call typical JRPGs because this was the first Final Fantasy game that could get this deep with the lore because it was the first Final Fantasy game to use voice animation over CGI. So it honestly kind of set the precedent for that. And it kind of laid the foundation, even looking at something that came out 15 years after it did. We just did Xenoblade Chronicles 2, and we've already pointed out three or four things from the early lore and early story that kind of mirror reflected it, you know. So it, it kind of set the bar, to be honest with you, in some ways. Um, but yeah, it, the first 10, 12 hours up to where we've gotten, it checks all the boxes and just kind of, giving you a general idea of where you're headed, what the goal is, and who you're going to be using to achieve it. Absolutely. Uh, I got through that first part, and I want to say right around eight hours. 
Like, dude, okay. I, I kind of beelined it. You said I didn't have to grind, and I was like, okay. <laughs> I fucking just whoop and just beeline yeah. motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, no, you're you're right. You really don't. I said 10 to 12 because, honestly, I couldn't remember. I think I'm with you, though. I think mine this time was like eight and a half. Now, I've, I, like I said earlier, I started part two a little bit. And, again, no future spoilers, but I'm already grinding. And it's, it's not because I have to. It's because I'm just – I fucking love it. So mm-hmm. it, it feels like the game is opening up at this point. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to part two. I feel like part two is really where this game is going to skyrocket for me. Uh, hopefully, anyways. Yeah, it definitely it's it's the first time the door swings wide open on your your freedom to train your people and learn the ins and outs of the combat and the flow of battle, you know, kind of like it's like I told you, you don't really have to grind through the end of part one because it's all lore. You have to grind through part two because from putting it off, you got to first you got to catch up, but then you're just having so much fun with it. You don't care that your people become overpowered while you're doing it because it's the first time that you get a chance to just hit the gas with the combat itself so go for it make those people op right <laughs> uh well guys that is going to be it for part one of our deep dive series into final fantasy 10 uh chris i appreciate you joining me sir oh absolutely man uh well guys we appreciate y'all supporting us and click on this episode and listening to us uh i i honestly don't know how i'm going to to put these episodes together. It's probably just going to be a random thrown, thrown in segment for the uh, traditional two game episodes. And then I'm going to do a ton of editing for the, uh, for the mega episode, but regardless, uh, I hope y'all enjoyed it and we will see y'all next time. Bye.